Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello friends, I'm Don Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. Welcome to the Words of Jesus series. Hope you're enjoying yourself. Uh, most of all, I hope that it's starting to happen to you. The very thing we started out to do, what was that? They get us all to start thinking red ink. Think like Jesus thought. To do what he did. To handle a situation the way he thought it should be handled. Uh, what a wonderful example he is. And what a wonderful teacher he is. Um, to it, It's so miraculous actually that his, the teachings of Christ came down to us through these writings. That we can still hear the Spirit of God when we, when we read these words and... Our, our eyes soak up the words, our brains put the sentences together, but down inside our own heart we can hear the Word of God as clearly as the day these words were first said. We're going to delve into mysteries that have been hidden, not from us, but for us, and they are the words of Jesus. Let's continue in chapter 30 of our little book, The Words of Jesus, and, um, and uh, our Lord Jesus is continuing by teaching us about the kingdom of God. As I said before, uh, it bears repeating, Jesus was under a handicap when he came to the earth, and that was that he was going to take on the, the frailty of flesh. Not only the being susceptible to, to sin and degradation and injury and the, all the kind of things that we're susceptible to, but even on his best day, even on uh, his, his most healthy day, his happiest day, he was still trapped, if you will, in the same coil of flesh that we all find ourselves in today. Thank God he was, because uh, he turned out to be a perfect example of uh, how we should live our lives. He actually came to this earth and, and laid down every um, supernatural power that he had. Does that surprise you to hear that? Jesus said that it, everything that he did, he did not do in his own strength or ability. He says, I simply do what the Father says to do. The Father worketh hitherto, and I work. Um, he said that of, of ourselves, and he included himself, I can do nothing. But I, what the Father, what I see the Father do that's the work that I do. And um, it, it's just really a, a wonderful gift that he chose not to come here and uh, essentially lord over us by an ability or by being just, just plain superior to us or being a god amongst men. Uh, no, that was not his case at all. He came and laid down every bit of that that he had. And as I said, as far as I can tell, the only, um, there's only a couple of things that separate him from us. One, he did not have an earthly father, as all of us do. And uh, two, he seemed to keep intact his memories of his life when he was uh, with the father, and he, he understood exactly what the kingdom of God was. Now, when he came here and he wanted to teach us about the kingdom of God, <laughs> uh, he found real quickly that this is not going to be an easy task. 
So he couldn't just sit down and tell us in a language that we didn't understand, using words that we don't understand, about a place that we've never been to. But he decided that he was going to take what he did have and uh, teach us with it. The society in which Jesus grew up, and frankly, um, you know, as much as, or as little as, 150, 200 years ago, life on this planet was pretty much like it had always been. And that was that, um, you know, we, we planted into the ground, we reaped harvest, we grew our own food, and um, it was, uh, you, know, they, you know, they say that Israel in those days was, a, was an agricultural society. Well, friend, all of them were agricultural societies at one time. It's only now in our crippled time that we live in today that we suffer from not having any sense of agriculture at all. Uh, it's, it's one of the handicaps of, of older scriptures that um, I don't know how Jesus would have described certain things had he had the vocabula vocabulary of the 21st century man. Um, we can only speculate. Um, and, and all those need to be kept into the uh, category of speculation. Anybody who pretends to know anything in this area is fooling himself and, and hopefully um, he's, he is the only one he's fooling because uh, we have um, uh, this handicap within us all the time and uh, we are not the Son of God and uh, there are a lot of things that we don't understand. So um, I say we kind of keep things in his area of expertise. Let, uh, let him speak by the Spirit of God and let's, uh, let's learn the vocabulary of yesteryear so that when he speaks that we will understand what he's talking about. Um, there is a, um, uh, it's an undeniable principle uh, of uh, sowing and reaping. There is a, 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 um, a method of sowing and reaping that uh, extends out of agriculture into many areas of life. However, um, there is one thing that he wants us to know, and we're going to be talking about that today as he continues to talk about the kingdom of God using whatever limited vocabulary or vernacular that he finds himself having to use in his day and now in ours. Um, the disciples ask him to explain the parable of the, um, uh, of the one who sowed the good seed in the field. And uh, he says, we want to know about the, the, uh, the wheat and the tares parable. Can you explain it to us? And he did so. What he did was is, uh, he simply took the terms of that parable and translated them into um, the meaning of that parable. Uh, there was no need to translate uh, anything uh, into another language at that point because they all spoke that language. It would do us well, in many cases, to know what certain words mean. But in his particular case, uh, uh, a, a, a grammatic uh, translation was not necessary. But um, the, the transfer of the thought or intent of the of the parable had to be explained to the disciples. 
uh, there would come a time in the disciples' life as the seed of Christ grew within them that they were moving closer and closer to being born again, to having the mind of Christ, that these things weren't necessary. As a matter of fact, uh, these disciples uh, were soon uh, to be called and recognized as apostles who wrote their own uh, hard-to-understand sayings, um, things that they understood that they were putting into language for their particular audiences, and sometimes they were misunderstood as well. There is no need for us to misunderstand what uh, Jesus did and what he accomplished when he was here. There's no need to misunderstand that uh, because, uh, frankly, these things are um, easy to be understood by a person of spirit. Do you know the, the Bible uses the term being of a certain spirit? Um, and do you remember when, the, when uh, I, think, I guess it was uh, Peter, uh, as they were being, uh, uh, being rushed out uh, off of Mount Gerizim and out of Samaria, they were unaccepted in that area. And, uh, and Peter said, let's just call fire down on heaven like Elijah did and consume this group of troublemakers. And Jesus made a statement to him that I think would do us all well to consider this statement that was said to Peter and wonder, at least wonder, if it could or should be said to ourselves. And that was, you don't know what spirit you're of. It, I believe that there are millions of well-meaning uh, and even people that could be, should be called Christian on the earth today. Well-meaning people, good people that are, uh, uh, that are trying to do things right, that are doing things right. Uh, that, uh, there's no deception, there's no hypocrisy. These are good people. However, I don't think they have fully realized the spirit that they are of. We are of a certain spirit. We are supposed to be of the Spirit of God. Uh, I think that the, um, the uh, characterization of the Spirit of God as a, as a third entity or a, a part of a trinity of God is a mistake that sets him off as a personage and sets him off as a, as a being or a force himself. And, uh, and I think we lose sight of the fact that the Spirit of God is God Himself, he is, that is the Father. The Spirit of God, Jesus said, that God is a spirit. So are there two spirits in the Trinity? Um, well, of course not. Um, so what is this all about? The spirit that is in God was the same spirit that was in Christ. And it is the same spirit to be installed in us. It, is, it was God's plan from the beginning for the Spirit of God to be in us um, and not extracted from us by our own choosing of, of sin over uh, righteous living. However, uh, we did suffer that very fact. We did suffer from uh, the Spirit of God being choked in our life to the point that it's, uh, His voice is almost silent, His face is almost obscured. And uh, there's uh, very little semblance of God left in the world and, in, unfortunately, in the hearts of many people. But um, 
if there is a glimmer of that spirit within us, if we have been called to be a child of God, friend, I, I don't know of anything more important that you need to accomplish today than to find God's will in your life and, and, and find that proper spirit within yourself to be the man or woman that God has intended for you to be. Um, and you're going to find some in some cases that that's a joyous experience. In some cases it's a painful experience. But all experiences are um, under the guidance and tutelage of our Father God through His Son, Jesus Christ. So, um, if you do have that, I want you to know that that you don't just simply have something that everybody in the world has. It's no big deal. Um, I've given the example of uh, uh, you know, a group of neighbors meeting at the post office, and one of them says, hey, hey, I got a check here for $1,000 from whoever. And he looks at his friends, and they're not smiling, they're not laughing, they're not rejoicing with him. Oh, you know, what, what's up? And they looked at him and says, everybody got one of those. <laughs> and uh, it kind of really takes the fun out of it. It takes, the, it takes the, the sparkle out of it when, well, everybody got one of those. Well, um, unfortunately, I think that the idea that God came to save everybody on the earth does the same thing to many Christians. Listen, uh, if if you feel that the Lord has called you to be one of His, that's a wonderful thing. Because I assure you, everybody standing around you, that's not necessarily so for them. Um, so we need to be very careful how we treat one another and um, how we present our own Christianity to one another. Um, because in this case, we're not all equal. We're not all you know receiving the same gift and. I know the Bible says that God came to save the whole world, but to him the whole world was his people. Uh, you know, the fact that we're Gentiles and been invited into this family, actually circumnavigating the very conduit by which we were supposed to be brought into this family, namely the Jewish people, um, it's, it's really a sign of God's love for the, uh, the stranger nations out here which are us, frankly. Uh, there are some people today that are fascinated with finding out that their, that their DNA or their bloodline is indeed Jewish. Uh, you know, I'm one of God's called and chosen people. But, um, you know, the truth is, is that all of that's gone away. All of that, uh, that, that whole promise has evaporated. It's, it's just gone because um, he came to his own, but his own received him not. And now he's going to talk about Gentiles for just a second. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. So that's us. That's exciting. And I love the fact that everybody standing around the post office didn't get a check. It, I, 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 that's, that's not really said in cruelty toward them as much as it is an appreciation for the fact that if you're called, you're called. That's a wonderful thing. I wouldn't despise that, or I certainly wouldn't take it for granted. As a matter of fact, act on it. Act on it. Answer the call. Uh, in the day that we live in, in our Christian world, um, our preachers, our teachers, they never tell us how to answer the call. They act like that if we accept Jesus, if we believe on Him, 
believe in God, that that is answering the call. Friend, the chances that, uh, uh, of you mustering faith in Jesus because you're called is very, very slim. As a matter of fact, it's the gift that he gives to the people who he calls, and that is the, the ability to believe in him. Uh, is this, is this a, a strange way of looking at it? Well, not if you go by the scriptures. The Bible teaches us clearly that for by grace are you saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. What is the gift of God? The faith to believe him. It's, it's, this, is not a, this is not some universal blanket opportunity like the publisher's clearinghouse this is, uh, this is God individually choosing people because he loves that individual. And if, if you want him to love you, if you want Christ to love you, um, it's, it's not just claiming the promise of a bumper sticker that says God loves you or some billboard on the highway or some silly preacher barking it over a pulpit. If you want to know that God loves you and his son loves you, then you need to do what Jesus uh, said when he says, if you keep my commandments, then my Father will love you, and I'll love you, and we'll move into you. What, what a lovely promise this is. It's just, uh, it's just, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Now, um, he goes on to explain the kingdom of God, and this time he is going to talk about seed. He says, so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring up and grow. He knoweth not how. I always thought it was fascinating. Um, I've, I've known farmers. I know farmers today. And um, this is one thing that they will tell you. And I mean, a farmer with, with any brains in his head says, you know, I can prepare the soil. And I can water it, and I can fertilize it, I can keep the weeds out of it and all the rest of this stuff, but I can't make that seed come up. I can't do that. Uh, well, how does that happen? You know what? Nobody really knows that. Uh, we don't understand how we can go to an to a Egyptian crypt somewhere and find where somebody has put a little, a little jar of corn in there as they would do for the dead. And uh, I, we don't understand how we can pick up 2,000, 3,000-year-old dried-out kernels of corn, push them into the ground and put a little water on them, and up comes uh, a corn stalk. That is an amazing thing to begin with. It's one of the, uh, the miracles of life that uh, is, is undeniable. We don't understand how come you can take 10 seeds and plant them in the ground, and six of them sprout, and two of them not, and one of them rot. And uh, we don't understand... You know, what in the world's, what in the world's wrong what, or what's going on? What's right about this? This is just something that's a mystery. He plants a seed in the ground and it springs up. He knoweth not how. I, I think that the, it has a, a tone to it that puts us in our place, so to speak. Uh, you know, great, you're a farmer. Uh, you're, you're doing a wonderful job. But look, the truth is, is that it's the touch of God that brings these seeds to life. I don't understand how there is even an oak tree inside of a tiny little acorn, but it's in there. And, um, and if you treat it right, up it comes. It's just an amazing thing to even see. This is some of the things that are missing in our society today. 
the children never see, essentially never see this. And uh, children don't know where food comes from. They don't know where the very sustenance of their own life comes from. Um, But what's beautiful about it is, you know, you can talk about it comes from the grocery store. The grocery store manager will say, no, it comes from the warehouse. The warehouse guy will say, no, it comes from from the trucking company. And the trucking company will say, no, it comes from the farms. And they go to the farms and say, no, it comes from the field. And go to the farmer and say, no, it comes from the seed. Where does it come from before that? We don't know. It, it's, 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 there's hidden in that a story of, of our, our very sustenance comes from a source that we don't even understand. Yet we use that every day to feed ourselves. Now, um, he's talking about the kingdom of God is just that way. The kingdom of God is like a seed that a man should cast into the field and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring up and grow up. He knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth of herself first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth forth the sickle, because the harvest is come. Um, uh, there, was, there was a... Um, in, the, in the days of starvation, when uh, weather was very, very bad and um, planting could not be done, um, there is a concept of eating one seed that is, uh, that is a very dangerous thing to do. Uh, we have to hold out. We have to wait until we can have this seed sprout and, and create more seed. If, you, if you're eating that seed, uh, if, you're, if you're taking your seed corn and scooping up a handful of it and cooking it up like hominy and having it for dinner, uh, you are eating stalks and stalks of corn that could feed you for months but it's only going to feed you for a meal. Um, Another concept in agriculture is you set aside the best. You set aside the best as seed. Um, We find that as the Lord teaches us to tithe, uh, that we are to set aside the best. We're set aside the first fruit. We set aside the best for Him. And, And as we do, we have this inherent promise that um, this, this seed will sustain us in the future. Um, there, is a, there is a future that is bleak. There's a future that is hungry. There's a future that does not have enough. But um, there's not a future like that when the proper seed is set aside. And, you know, and, and, and we handle our lives in a proper way. Uh, handle our lives in a righteous way. These things are, are, are extremely important. Now you might think that I'm sitting here <laughs> preaching the modern gospel of, uh, uh, what is it, um, uh, seed harvest or whatever that is where the preachers are you know, telling you to plant your seed in their ministry by sending them money and these kind of things. And there's a lot of tricks and a lot of you know, foolishness that goes along with this. But... Um, the, the fact of the matter is that um, there is a, a, a very um, time-secured principle behind 
uh, seed time and harvest. Um, and I assure you it's not the adulterated variety today that, that we hear all the time. But the seed, very, very important um, as, as a part of our life. We should never neglect the seed that is, um, that is provided us. Um, if you want um, God involved in whatever it is you do, then you, you have to understand that, that it's God's purpose and always has been his purpose to empower that seed planting. Um, sometimes uh, it's hard to, you know, to snap off the heads of some of the finest corn that you have and, and hold it as seed or offer it, essentially, offer it to the ground to make more. But it is a principle of life that if you ignore it, you will starve to death. I think that a lot of people are starving in their uh, Christian walk, uh, both financially and socially, spiritually, in every way, because um, they don't understand the first fruits offering, that seed offering um, that uh, can enhance their life fully and, and completely and, and in so many ways. But um, it's, it's that greed that makes them hold and makes them hold back they don't want to subject themselves to people around them. They don't want to give of themselves to people around them. And uh, they find themselves very impoverished uh, as Christians. Look, um, you're, you're going you're gonna to have your own troubles, but you really need to handle um, troubles on other people's part. You need to seek the Lord for proper counsel for your friends and for your family and, and these kind of things. And make yourself available to those kinds of things and those situations in order to have enough for yourself. And um, it, it's just a principle that, that we can't get around. And friend, what our Lord Jesus Christ is trying to tell us right here is that this is the way the kingdom of God works. If you knew without a doubt that you are the hand of God in your community, if God wanted to do something in your community, he needs human hands to do it. Now, why that is, we could talk about for months. And how that came to be, we can talk about it for weeks. We can be a, a part of our Bible studies for, from, from now until doomsday. But it is the action that we all know that we need to do. How is it that somebody among you needs something that you have? How is that? You know, when Jesus says, neither have you two coats, does that mean that it's a sin to have two coats? It's wrong to have two coats if there is someone who has none. And uh, we have to do this for the kingdom of God to operate correctly. Yeah, I know. He sent ravens to feed Elijah. But friend, I don't know that that's going to happen for your neighbor down the road. You know, she needs food for her children. And you know what she knows? She knows that uh, she prays. And she knows that you do. And she knows that you're a Christian. But she doesn't understand uh, why God isn't meeting her need. But you know what? You do. You know why God's not meeting her need. Because you're not obeying the Lord. Uh, we'll see you next time on the next one. Uh, until then, bye-bye, my friend. You've been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. 
Email don at thinkredink.com. That's thinkredink.com. Join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.